All right, y'all. Y'all are entering. Welcome back. Y'all are entering the God Dimension. I'm your host, Cody Carpenter. Got my boy with me. He is my official co-host, man. Finally, me in a space where we can do it. My boy Levante back with it. Back once again. How's everybody doing? Yeah, you the co-host, man. I'm glad to know. Yeah, yeah man. We've been, yeah. <laughs> we been talking about this for a minute. You know what I mean? So we got to, you know what I mean? We got to get to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I know we were talking about um, start. You know, matter of fact, we're going to start this episode off with something different. You know, we're bookworms and whatnot. We always trying to find life in something meaningless. And, you know, I'm not saying books are meaningless, but. Books hold a lot more value than people think, or just quotes hold a lot more value than people think. You know what I mean? And one of my favorite quotes is from probably one of my favorite favorite people, or not even say people. I can't just let it as a person, but an icon is a man of 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 so much stature and and grace is Malcolm X. And the quote I chose is. The future belongs to those who prepare for it today. Meaning, you know, trying to be blunt with y'all, but get y'all shit together. <laughs> Simple as that. If you don't know where you're going, how the hell are you going to reach, you know, your top or how are you going to reach the pinnacle if you don't know where you're going? So, the future belongs to those who prepare for it today. Write it down, jot it down, copy it, whatever you got to do. Keep that in your memory banks. Yeah. My quote for today, which is kind of crazy because kind of piggybacks off of the Malcolm X quote, although it's not written by a person in that same time frame, uh, it comes from a book called The Ten Time Rule by Grant Cardone. And he says, as long as you're alive, you will either live to accomplish your own goals and dreams, or you'll be used as a resource to accomplish someone else's. So long mm. story short, like you, you got to make things happen for yourself. You know, you got to realize that, like, you get caught up in the system so many times in executing someone else's hopes and dreams. All these billionaires, the CEOs of companies, all you're truly doing is acting out what they want you to do to make them successful. So why not follow your own hopes and passions and create something for yourself and, you know, live off your own hopes and dreams and execute those to make yourself complete happy? Right. <laughs> Facts. Piggyback off of that. I mean, we all, besides entrepreneurs, like, you know, ones with the everyday job, the nine does, the nine to five, whatever your shift is, third shift, graveyard shift, whatever the case may be, we're not doing anything but building somebody else's dream up. You yeah. know what I mean? When we look on the paycheck, whose name's on the paycheck? I mean, it's They're handed out to us, but exactly. It's the corporate. Exactly. Who's signing the checks is what I meant. You know, yeah, our name is on it, but who's actually signing those checks? So just give y'all something to think about, you know, give y'all a little bit of inspiration and whatnot. Now, today, we're going to talk about a couple of things, heavy things that's been on our mind. We're definitely going to talk about this, uh, this MAGA, this Amer Make America Great Again shit. I know it's a, I can't say it's an old topic because it gets brought up every single, like literally, especially if you're on Twitter or social media. It is brought up every single day. And we're going to get into that. But first, my boy had been, had been having some thoughts on his mind. He wanted to bring it to a segment of, you know, 
toxic masculinity. Yeah, uh, I just kind of wanted to bring up the fact of like, we live in a, a world in which us as men have been, you know, conditioned in a way to to believe that, you know, we're superior to women or like, you know, there's certain things as men you can't do. Men can't cry, boys can't cry. Oh, so like from a young age, you know, I remember my dad personally telling me, you know, like, quit crying or I'm gonna give you something to cry about. Yeah, for sure. And over time, it has become one of the bigger hindrances for, like, you know, young men, young black men in our community to open up and, like, to be able to express themselves effectively. And in turn, we've seen, you know, these men become rapists, they become abusers, you know, they become addicted to drugs because they don't have effective forms of communication. And I don't want to keep saying that. So, you know, I think like it's something important to, to bring to life or something to talk about because I don't feel like enough people go in depth about these topics. It's not because if you think about it, like you said, man, you know, it becomes, you know, rapists or serial killers are just completely shut down. And it's literally those toxic, that toxic behavior is literally creating a chain reaction. And I also believe that's going to be creating a generational um, defect or a generational curse. I do believe it creates generational curses because I think about how long it took for like myself in America and a lot of other people to probably be comfortable with homosexuality. Like when we were younger, it seemed so much less acceptable. Yeah. And like I've had to, even though I've been around people who have dated the same sex my entire life, uh-huh. like it took until I got to a point of understanding like that whole lifestyle to be willing to accept it and understand where I fit in the grand scheme of things. Because I feel like a part of that toxic masculinity that's taught is that you see a gay male, you automatically assume that gay male is attracted to you. Mm-hmm. So then you automatically write them off. Yeah. And instead of accepting them, you know, as just another man, you want to automatically judge them and kind of keep them at a distance because you don't feel comfortable. You know why I believe that is was too? Because, you know, it's, I believe it also it comes with that uh, stereotype of, oh, he better not try no shit with me, or he better not, you know, if, I, if I'm too nice or if I'm too much of a genuine person, they're going to try to come on to me. And nine times out of ten, it's not really the case. Yeah. You know, I mean, just like us, us straight, they have preferences as well, too. You know, so that's definitely a toxic masculinity. I also believe that and I've said this, and I stick, I stand by this. Quote me on this too. I believe that it is literally agenda to really try to feminize us black men, and I'm I'm dead ass serious about that. Not saying that, not knocking all the ones who who are, but I really do feel like when it comes to the this media, this entertainment, the Hollywood, they got this thing called the I guess like casting couch, whatever. Whatever y'all want to call the entertainment industry, I believe that is really a plan and an agenda to really womanize, well, not womanize, but really put us in a box, feminize us. Yeah. I, in some ways, I can definitely agree with that. I mean, I see it all the time on TV. That's why, you know, for instance, and in even hip-hop culture, you see these men, the young thugs, the, you know, wearing dresses or you see the Cam Newtons and the Russell Westbrooks, these people that are part of, you know, this pop black 
culture, whatever yeah. you want to call it, you yeah. know, now all of a sudden switching things up, wearing a super tight clothing. And I get that fashion changes over time, and even throughout history, you've seen men in long gowns and other items like that that, you know, you typically wouldn't suggest for men or like that whole idea of that toxic masculinity behind right. wearing dresses and things like that. But I totally believe that there's certain things that are kind of, I don't want to say crossing the line. I believe that there's always creative freedom, but when you constantly put that in people's faces, then you see these kids, you know, instead of picking up Ken dolls, they're picking up Barbies and they want to dress like Barbie. And if that's who you are as a person, I totally accept that. Mm-hmm. But I don't believe in forcing that down people's necks or like in children's faces all the time. And that's my issue too. Like, if that's what they're going to be, you know, some people say it's biology and people born like that. And then you have some people say, you know, it, it led up to experience that may have caused them to turn that way. However, you want to look at it, like you said, let them choose that for themselves. Like this, the whole the forcing forcing thing, mm-hmm. you know. Like stop trying to force things. Just like how um, I don't say this. Just like how they're trying to force you to. All right, your homies trying to force you to like a certain type of like music or like a video game or something. Like no, nah, like no, nah, fam. Like I'm cool. I don't want it. Like I'm straight. Like no pun intended. But hey, I'm cool. You know what I mean? I I don't want to deal with that. So I can look at the same concept. As as like that. Now, however, though, it brought me to a point. This brought me to another point. How I think that, or do you think that? How can I say this? Do you think that it comes a point in time where they have like tried, or like they have tried to Hollywood, or they have tried to like put men to play certain roles? Like yeah. like dressing like dresses because prior to you know Big Mama Nutty Professor Eddie Murphy or Wanda Jamie Foxx off of Living Color prior to that even back in like the the stage days they were uh, dressing the dresses as well. Yeah, I definitely believe that it has been something part of like you said like feminizing black men or feminizing men in some ways yeah. because we're looked at as like these very violent you know rough around the edges uh-huh. creatures and I I believe that they want us in many ways to be feminized I don't necessarily believe that you know we should have clear gender roles in society or like men do this and women do this but I do believe that there should be some distinction between who's completing what because right. when there's no direction in most relationships they fail or like when people don't know where you stand on one side of the fence and the other person stands on the other, like there becomes these confusions. Mm-hmm. And that's why, you know, I believe, you know, not even just with the homosexuality, I believe like in the media overall, like we're we're over sexualizing everything to children. And that's like true. constantly they're getting fed all this information on television and they're seeing all this sex and it's like if we don't want children to have sex earlier, we don't want them to be thinking about who they like at age four, then why are we putting it in every television show? That's my thing, bro. At age four, bro, we was trying to be outside. You know what I mean? Riding bikes. 
stuff like that. Like not trying to shove down our throats. Oh, you need to like you need to like this, or you gotta like this. Or this is what you need to like. Like, do you think so? Do you think that um, do you think that toxic toxic masculinity is a made up concept, or is it, you know, how you perceive it, or how people perceive it? I guess I would perceive toxic toxic masculinity as like the societal factors that led to, um, you know, men or women feeling like men should behave in a certain way and women should behave in a certain way. And those things don't ever coincide. So like men should never act in a way that we we want to act. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you know, hygiene, cleanliness. Yes. We associate those things with womanly or feminine energy versus associating that with men as well. Like a man being right. You know, feminine and masculine energy. Right. So it's like it's okay to be clean. It's okay, you know, to go get your feet done. As a man, I'm saying this now, it is okay to get your (laughs) fingernails clean, get your your feet scrubbed. Like that is acceptable. There's nothing wrong with taking care of yourself. Call him on that. Cleanliness is next to godliness. That's the name of the episode. Quote us, quote us on this. That's the name of the episode. Quote us on this. Now that's real talk. I used to. I mean, I think as any as any like male would look at them like, ah, oh, now I'm cool, man. I don't want to you know no manicure, pedicure, or even I. I know some dudes are wear you know face masks and stuff like that. Like, can you get mad at him because he wants to look presentable? You know, no, I can't. Okay. I can't. I can't knock my homeboy. I can't knock my friend. We're trying to look presentable, look astute, and depending on where he's going as well, or he just wants to feel good about himself. So I don't think um, having like a pedicure or, or you know getting your feet done, I don't think that's going the extra mile. It's yeah. really not. It's just some real normal stuff to me. Yeah, and you know I mean? we have to turn it on that way. So to go back to your question, I do. I mean, I do believe toxic toxic. Ah. Toxic masculinity is something, you know, that was brought to our attention or a concept that we created in order to, you know, push a, an agenda in uh-huh. order to keep people separated, you know, to keep men and women in conflict with one another because we want people to act a certain way. And like that's society overall. You want people to act a certain way and follow suit. Right, and I feel like it needs to be a, you know, um, a balance. Now, do I think that men and women should act a certain way depending on the situation? Yes, like most definitely. Um, I don't, you know, expect, especially like when it comes to us black mm-hmm. men and women, I don't, we don't, I don't need us to go out, the black men acting wild all the time or if a woman ain't, you know, ain't feeling us or we try to talk to a woman and they hit us with the no nah, I'm good and we hit them with the oh shut up bitch oh, that's why you trash anyway bitch you know what I'm saying stuff like yeah, that like nah yeah very unacceptable or like um or even when when women when stuff goes south I don't need my women to be out here wilding trying to fight not all women just like not all men some men some women I don't need my women out here my black women to be out here trying to go wild go bananas you know, busting windows out of car, flattened tires, you know, unnecessary antics that can cause you, you know, like a little two minute, a two minute uh, crime spree can get you some, you know, X amount of years in the system. And that's the last thing we need. And I believe you should stay true to your essence of who you are as a person, but I believe every relationship 
requires a person to act differently. Yeah. So, like, in one relationship, you may have to be that super, you know, masculine man who takes charge, you know, he's yeah. the breadwinner. Hell yeah. He's the one, you know, making the major decisions for the family. He controls the money. But that's because that's what that relationship, you know, needed. But yeah. there's nothing wrong with that man who has to take on a different role in his relationship. If his woman is the breadwinner and she's the one who's better at finances or making decisions, if that is the case, then I mean that relationship requires the man to kind of take the back seat. Yeah. And if that works <laughs> for you know those two people, that's not an issue. We shouldn't judge that man as any less of a man for the role he has to play his family because that's his family. True, and piggyback off that, and I think that we shouldn't be allowing. That shouldn't be allowed. I don't think we should allow our peers or what social media thinks to get in our ear. Like, oh, bro, your girl's doing this, and you ain't doing that. Like, oh, bro, man, what's so, up with you? You so know what I mean? Stuff like that, bro. And like you said, the um, you know, girl maybe the woman may be, you know, the one better finances. And your man might be the one that's better, bro. He's better with lawn, with lawn care and the landscaping. He fixes stuff around the house. Yep. He's cutting the grass, you know. He's trimming the hedges. You know, he's making the house look presentable. And she may be better with finances. And then, trust me, there's no wrong with that. It's just the fact that it is teamwork. Yep. You know what I'm saying? And then we shouldn't strip away that essence because that's what that foundation was built off of. Yep. Foundation was built off of okay, you know what? All right, boo. All right, babe. I see. You know, this is your strong point. And this is your weak point. You know, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be, you know, going ten times. I'm gonna go a hundred times as hard as your weak point, and you go a hundred times as hard as my weak point. You know, like you said, okay, baby, you forget the finances. All right, bet. I'm gonna go ahead and get the house girl. We gonna mow this grass, fix stuff around the house, and that's not toxic masculinity no, at all, bro. Not. Just play this. Coexist, and literally. I, and I think one of the biggest things that like helped change my perspective when I think back, you know, is from the late great Mr. McCracken himself. When he oh, John really, McCracken, Cardinal Ritter, Junior was in high school. Was yeah, junior high. Yeah, yeah, it was. You know, Mr. McCracken always wore pink shirts, and we could never understand it. We always used to question young, him about that, bro. Yeah, being young, you know. Condition to believe that like men didn't wear pink or certain colors, we always question them. And he'd be like, A real man wear pink. As long as you're comfortable with your sexuality and you know what yeah. you're saying, a color doesn't mean. And we used to laugh at it. And we used to laugh <laughs> at it. But then we grew to finally understand what that meant and like how that makes such a difference in a child's life to understand that as long as you're comfortable with you, you can do whatever you want to do. You know, I may not wear dresses. That may not be my thing. Yeah. But, you know, these people are comfortable out here doing that. Uh, yeah. and, you know, if that if they can still be the man that they need to be in rocking dress or, you know, rock tights and leggings and all that, they can do their thing. Is that my thing? No. Do I necessarily no. agree with it? No. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not here to knock anybody and what they do because it doesn't affect my life personally. Yeah. What you eat don't, you know what I'm saying? What you eat don't make me shit. That's real talk. Ever. You know what I'm saying? What you eat don't make me shit. And that's and that's facts. I just think that it is like literally an ongoing war or that is like literally the ongoing debate on social media. If not social media, just in the circles that people have is 
toxic masculinity. Literally, that is exact, that's exactly what it is. But I mean, I also think it comes from the idea of feminism. You know, oh, it's all another the birth of feminism. You know, that toxic masculinity concept got eaten larger. Yeah, that's different. Yeah, that's what I don't know. We got conversation for another. Yeah, I'm about to say you gotta have some um, some women up in here. Some of my homegirls up in here. We can talk about that. But um, now your man. Uh, I don't. I don't. I just don't get the. As a black man, I just don't get the mega concept. You know, make America great again. Okay, bet. So, and when I was texting you before earlier today about the revolt. Yeah, the revolt thing, yeah. and T.I. was going at it with Candace. And she was like, yeah, I believe y'all. So she was pretty much, to me, I feel like she was trying to pander to us by saying, oh, she got uh, ASAP Rocky free. Okay, fuck that post man. Got the boys in China free. Yeah, got the boys in China. He brought the, he brought uh, Lonzo Ball. Well, not Lonzo. Who was it? Was it LaMelo? It was, uh, or was uh, it was LiAngelo. Le- excuse me. Sorry. It was LiAngelo. Brought him back. Okay, and is, you want a cookie? Does Trump want a cookie? Like, because we're not we're not a charity case. No, and I mean, like T.I. was saying, like you know, it's it's for optics. You know, it looks good if you bring these people back yeah. after being, you know, told that you were a white supremacist. I'm not here to, you know, call Trump necessarily a white supremacist. What? But I do know the people who have come out the woodwork since he's been in office. That and you know what? And this is not to be taken the wrong way, but the best thing. That has happened. Now I know I can't even say it's the best thing, but the thing that opened my eyes more that since he's been in his office, that it, it has really exposed the white supremacists, like just around, literally around the world, around the globe. That has really brought out the closet white supremacists, especially the ones that you know, even the ones that we probably, even ones we went to high school and we grew up with. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I peeps out here, I'm like, wow. I'm not. Am I surprised? No. Can I believe it? You know, it's kind of like a um, but I'm not surprised that it happened. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was only a matter of time. Because the system, the system works. And that's yeah. why people, we've been trapped in this way of thinking. And to talk about that whole revolt thing, I think that's why Killer Mike brought up a really good point after exactly T.I. and Candace was talking about yes. how we arguing about two masters. Facts. Like, when really we should be arguing about, you know, how are we going to get some ownership? How are we going to knock down doors and be self-sufficient? That's true. Farm our own land, yep. become our own politicians within our own communities, become our teachers. Bro, you just, know, bro, just like his show on Netflix. Own the local businesses. Yes. Remember he was trying to eat, uh, was it eat black for 24 hours? Yeah. He couldn't do it. He was even going to the nitty gritty. He was going to like literally to the earth's core. He was like, are the vegetables, you know, grew by a black person? Nah, well, I can't mess with it. Yeah. And we wonder what's wrong with that. People shop with their narrow communities, you know, China or not China, the Asians shop with their own communities. The Hispanics come over here, they shop with their own communities, even the Africans. Mm-hmm. And we know uh, African American or blacks and the people or Africans really don't have the best relationship. Nope. You know, and they perceive us to be due to the fact of what they see. On, from, TV on TV and yeah. what their oppressors have taught them about us. The U.S. is lazy, you know, unsuccessful. Well, lazy, unsuccessful thugs. The view is just how a white person. Mm-hmm. Seriously, how some white people look at us. But, um, I mean, what's, but what's wrong with that? 
wanting to shop within your own community, you want to support your own community. I don't believe there's anything wrong with that. I believe that, truthfully, whether you're, you know, Republican, Democratic, like, you, you're on two sides of the same coin. Yeah. Where it's like, you may see different ways to accomplish the same goal because you still care about your group of people. So even Candace, you know, she still cares about black people. Yeah. She just has different arguments as to what the problem is. Right. Why can't we come together and come up with solutions? Instead of just stating the problems on both sides, we come to solutions on how to come together and make both sides happen. Exactly. Because we all have the same agenda. I don't think anybody would be upset if black people had more ownership, whether you're a Republican or whether you're a Democrat. I don't think that's an issue. Mm-hmm. Black people making more money, I don't believe that's an issue whether you're on either side of the coin. Right. I believe the issue lies is like Bill Mike said, like we're arguing about two different masters. Like you, you want to make an argument for Trump or you want to make an argument for Bernie or any other candidate, Kamala, whoever comes about on the Democrat side. We're arguing parties instead of issues. Our issues are the same in the community. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. If you look at a poor community or an impoverished community or a black community, whatever you want to call it, like we have these same issues. No matter what black community you go to, except for like in Atlanta or maybe in Houston, in which right. they're building or they've done a lot there, yeah. like you'll go to a black community and you automatically see that the schools in that area are in the bottom half. Mm-hmm. That's true. No matter what community in any state you go to, you're going to see those students most likely in the bottom half. Our school, bro. Holy Angels. Here in Indianapolis, bro. Indianapolis, Indiana. Martin Luther King. All black students. All black students. And we didn't have our first, like, and shout out to Ms. Johnson. Yeah. Ms. Johnson was Big really our first. Johnson. Gail Johnson. She was really our first black teacher. But, and not saying she wasn't upstanding because she was, but. After her, we didn't see our first like one until who? Mr. Joseph. Michael Joseph. Shout out to him too. Fifth grade, sixth grade. Fifth grade, sixth grade. We didn't see our first one until Mr. Joseph. And then after that, I don't And after that, bro, I didn't I did not have I did not have a black teacher throughout high school. I had a sub. And that and that's crazy to think At about all. things in that way. Is that we went from being surrounded by people just like us to Virtually being around a bunch of people who have nothing in common. Bro, almost like being divided. And I won't say nothing in common. Just the home lives are different in a lot of situations. Very. We may share similar interests, but like growing up is different. Yeah. You know, know, when you're being bused to a school from the opposite side of town and those people live in that neighborhood, it's just different. Just like, you know, I think, was it Hallville? Yeah. Hallville was being bused to Ben Davis. Right, where you went to high school. So that's why you got such diversity in the school. But even though Ben Davis is one of the larger schools in the state, mm-hmm. they're not in the top 25 schools that's in the crazy. state whatsoever. That is crazy. Why is that? These are the bigger issues yeah. that we got to attack. Because, you know, whether you're Republican or Democrat, education is important. You know, yeah, you stress out on both sides. On both sides, yeah, you do. Education is essential. Yeah. So if we're not upping the level of education in these areas. How can we ever expect more? From right. How can we ever expect to be owners or understand that if we don't have people within those communities speaking out on it? That's true. So another big point that I feel like came out of that whole, you know, debate 
amongst one another is the fact of like it's about local government. It's about attacking these problems in a lot of cases at the local level. Yep. And working our way to a national level. Because right. if we can get on the same page within our communities, then we can attack the national stage and be unified. You gotta build from the ground up, you know. You gotta um like you said, the local ones are what's most important because we have to like I said, we have to build up. You know what I'm saying? We have to build and get to and get to them first. When we, once we can reach them and once we can talk to them, and sometimes, bro, it's gonna take a minute too. Yeah. It's going it's not gonna be just an overnight success. It has never been overnight successful, especially when it comes to this when it comes to these politics. You'll be frustrated. Oh yeah. I can only imagine what, you know, and people don't may not like him. Even our own some of our own people don't like him. I can only imagine what you know Obama went through. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I feel like he and this can tie into America, MAGA, that bullshit, make America great again, whatever. I feel like he tried his best, but when you're under the tutelage of, of white people, you know, it's kind of hard to, you know, to have some, some, some wiggle room, especially in the situation he was in, too, bro. He just wasn't some average Joe Brobo like me and you. You know what I mean? He was the, the president of the United States of America. You're covering all 50 states. You know what I mean? He's not covering where he's from or where he was running out of Chicago. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So it's kind of it's kind of difficult when it comes to trying to attack problems. But what I've learned is that you have to be consistent and make your voice heard. You have to be in their faces. All the time. 24-7. Because without it, I mean, they... You can't make a person care if you don't ever show to care about something. Yeah. So it's like some people just aren't aware of the issues going on in our communities because mm-hmm. we're not bringing those issues to light. We're not sticking together on these issues. And we only want to talk about them on social media. We become A lot of us become social media warriors. Mm-hmm. Seriously. Well, I like to call them social justice, you know, whatever you want to call them. Social justice media warriors because it sounds good on social media. Oh, this is going to sound hard. This is going to sound nice. I really bust their head with this one. I'm going to go ahead and, you know, I'm going to go ahead and post this. Get these likes. Get this love. You know, other than that, what are you doing? Now, are you marching? Nope. No. Are you trying to do something to, do something to combat the, you know, the, um, the low-income areas? Are you doing something to try to put food on their table? Are you giving... Pretty much, are you maximizing opportunities? You have to minimize that bullshit and maximize your opportunities. And that's why we we have to attack the local level because, I mean, most of us don't even know who our local politicians are, whether it's mayor, councilor, mm-hmm. you know, our councilman. We don't know any of that. Right. And I mean, it is one of our biggest problems. Mm-hmm. You know, we got to figure out a way, whether that be to come together all work together to form our own businesses, corporations, take back our own neighborhoods, you know, or whether that be to work with the other side and right. come together to improve these areas and show them, like, this is what we want. And if you can't do this, then we're going to have to go with another candidate mm-hmm. who can. Right. And once we show that we're unified in that front, I mean, we will see things start to change. So for all the people out there who Assume that you know we can't make a difference or we can't do all these things you're right. We started off saying we can. Yeah, I mean, it's all about 
also, you also got to have the right people, too. You know what I mean? You have to have people on your side who's not going to let you go by the wayside. You have mm-hmm. to hold each other accountable as well. Mm-hmm. You know, like, um, for example, I even say with the whole, or when you look at, when you look at, when you're looking at throughout history, when you're looking at people like, um, you know, like Marcus Garvey or Malcolm, they also had people, or even Muhammad Ali, you know, people of character in, in, in stature, they had people that held them accountable as well. Yeah. You know, to make sure that, hey, man, you know, was there, were there times where things were in question? Definitely, for sure. Mm-hmm. But they stuck with the plan because they saw, I feel like they saw the outcome almost in a way. Not saying the outcome of death, but if we keep going, if we keep, if we keep beating these, these people's faces, especially you know, we keep beating these white people's faces, we let them know, like, hey, we know, we serious. We just as serious as y'all. And we are more stronger than what y'all think, especially in numbers. Yeah. You know? And, yeah, man. It's just that, the, the politic, um, talk to, that's a, that's a whole nother conversation. For sure, for sure. Yeah, for sure. But, with that whole MAGA thing, he also, T.I. also brought up a good point, too. When he was naming like different time periods, he was like, "What talking about making American great again?" When mm-hmm. black people hanging off the trees, yeah. Are you talking about when 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 the coke was literally brought in by the government and put in to the neighborhoods, or even I can go as far as like with the guns too, bro. Ain't nobody had no access to no Mac tens, no text, no SR, not us. I mean, even I. Hey, that's a really good point. AK, you know, hey, bro, AK-47s, AR-15, SKs? I was watching an interview with another farmer, you know, and he was talking about being one of the co-founders of A-Trade. You know, oh, A-Trade Gangsta Crips. Yeah. Gangsta Crips, and he was talking about how Tookie was a fighter. He yeah. He didn't use weapons. Like, guns and stuff wasn't a part of original gang culture. Mm-hmm. So where did that come from? Oh, yeah. We just fought one another. We didn't use weapons. So weapons had to be introduced to our streets before that became something we used. And then, then it became a tool to destroy our communities and have us fight amongst one another. Exactly. Because you're from a different side, different sect, different section. And the idea of zoning, you know, became a part of that. That's different true. zone, different areas, you know. You get that gentrification coming in. You get, you know, people taking neighborhoods from us. Predominantly black areas becoming predominantly white areas. That's what they made, and that's exactly what the, I feel like they had in their mind about making America great again by doing foul shit or foul antics, practicing foul antics, just like that. Just like how you seen it, the Rick Ross documentary on Netflix. Yeah. When they had the guy, the government, matter of fact, the writer too, he was like, "Yeah, man, they have." It's been it's like well known documents out there like yeah we purposely put that in there mm-hmm. we purposely made that we had the plug you know we got the same they, the government had the same the government has the same plug as it, as we do mm-hmm. seriously only difference is that man is just an informant you know what I mean and he literally put it into the ghettos to destroy us seriously not only ghettos too but just put it into the black all black neighborhoods to literally destroy us and everything that we stand for. And that's how I feel like how the Panthers were pretty much dismembered. 
you take out the, you know, when you take out the head, what's going to happen to the body? Yeah. Your man, Huey went to jail, came out, he was on drugs. It was raps. Yep. And then the Panthers was no more. Seriously. Panthers was no more. So I guess the bigger question is, is, you know, we, we criticized Kanye for taking on the, the red hat and, you know, deciding to say make America great again. But right. if we want to live by that, you know, let's make America great, how are we going to make America great again? Seriously, that's what I'm saying, bro. Where is that Where is that coming from? Like, you know, like, we know exactly where it's coming from. Make America great again? Because, I mean, I believe, you know, in that whole debate, Joe Mike had also a good point when he brings up the seven years after the Civil War, in which, you know, like people were prosperous. We were the skilled laborers. We were the people who knew how to do things. Yes. So we had control over a lot. Mm-hmm. So I believe there is a time frame, you know, that we could go back to where when we had the Black Wall Streets of the world. Like, there are major parts that we could highlight, you know, whether it be you know, Malcolm X time or if. You know, Martin Luther King, we had people standing with one another. Right. There have been glimpses throughout history of a, of a greater America. Right. But now, instead of having those in bits and pieces, we need to bring them all together. Right. You know, the idea of ownership, which is our generation's thing, we need to be tied into the previous generation when it came to unity. <clears throat> you know, the, the founding principles of, like, we need to have our schools, you know. Need to have teachers that look like us. Seriously, for generations before that, who were actually skilled laborers and picking cotton, even if it wasn't by choice, or being welders, or having those, you know, trades or those technical skills to be self-sufficient. And I believe that, you know, if we can get those things to come together, then ultimately we solve the problem. We stop just talking about things, and then we become those things. Yeah, we've been doing too much. Um talking and to piggyback on what you said there has been you know a glimpse of of what we can do or what we've done you know but it's always the fact that first of all you can't erase us you can't erase what we've done at all like our 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 actions and the steps that we took are submitted in history you know what i mean like we're not going to say black history like no this is history in general i'm not going to say black history I'm not gonna say American history or however you wanna narrate that, however you wanna put your spin on it, twist on it, whatever you wanna do. We are submitted in history in general. 100%. You know, and and I think that they're just trying to, and they've always tried to look at the Bible, bro. Always trying to rewrite the narrative. Always trying to rewrite this. Like when it comes, bro. When it comes to Black history, right? Right. What do we? No, nah, Holy Angels, bro, we, we we learned about a lot more besides uh, Martin and Rosa. But those are the go-to people. Yeah. So when it came to history in high school, bro, when it came to black history in high school, I didn't care. I don't, I'm not going to say I didn't care, but, bro, it was a, it was a broken record to me. I know, Ro, I, I know Rosa Parks. I know him. I mean, I know Martin, excuse me, but what about... You know, Garvey or even, or even Bishop Desmond Tutu. What about, you know, Mandela, Sojourn Truth? You know, the real story of these individuals. Not just, oh, they marched. I have a dream speech. We shall overcome. Or Rosa Parks, sitting on the bus, thrown in jail. It's more to that. 
I mean, At that point, it's almost a smack in the face. Yeah, because you get a very limited black history, which is actually like a big part of American history. So, so you know, you're taught. I'm not gonna say you're a hundred percent taught, but in many ways, you're taught to look at yourself as less than because your history is viewed as a smaller piece, right, of the whole puzzle. When really, it's all together. Because before Christopher Columbus, who was here? There were people before that. And there were people. There were people who were indigenous to the land. Yeah, of color. Yeah. So you know, it's not fair to say that American <coughs> history is only about the George Washingtons, the Abe Lincolns, the JFKs, you know, yeah, and the Christopher Jacksons. Come on now. Like it's it's a lot more extensive than that. And slavery was such a big part of this, you know, country for so long. I believe. It should be talked about a lot more in our school. Yeah, no sugar code either. Show those pictures of us. Show those pictures of us being ripped together, ripped together, ripped by our limbs, by in four pieces by by white people on horses. Show us those lashes on our backs where it's digging through our it's, it's literally digging through our skin to see their white meat. And I mean, show us. Matter of fact, show us or show everybody how black babies was used as crocodile bait. You know what I mean? So you want to make America great again? Show show people that. Because that's not the greatest parts of America. Oh, bullshit. I know <laughs> I know it's not the greatest parts of America, but hey, you know, we know this is the red, white, and blue. You know what I mean? This is all America. Everybody says all America, America dream. Okay, this is the American dream right here. I'm going to show you. You know, being castrated, Brandon Iron, or even, you know, you bug breaking, trying to demasculate the strongest man. You trying to, you know, fornicate with him in front of his family to show that you. Own him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Make America great again is bullshit. I mean, but in order to do that, we got to solve problems, you know? Like, you know, when it comes to our judicial system. Yeah. This prison reform. Yes. Attacking the issues, you know? I'm, as I read this, you know, African-Americans and Hispanics make up, you know, approximately 32% of the U.S. population. But they make up... Oh, over half of the percentage of the incarcerated people in this country. And bro, we are only 12%. Black people are only 12%. But we're the significant part of the people that are incarcerated in this country. So and what our t- convictions are. And you're throwing us away. Bro, you're throwing us away. They're throwing us away for it. Now, if you out here, okay, be, be clear. Now, if you out here just wilding, you out here trying to be kingpin. You slinging that shit, slinging that bull to your that poison to your people? By any means, man. You know, maybe you need to, you know, maybe you need to chill out for a minute, sit down for a minute. You know what I mean? But now we charges, the we charges that we get, that black people get, I even put it in the Clinton administration. You know, the we charges that they getting for, you know, for what? About this big a sack of weed like that, versus a, a white boy with some coke, he's getting probation. I mean, you know what I mean? He's getting probation and stuff like that, or he's going to counseling because he needs help. Well, well, what's even worse is that, I mean, now you're legalizing in the state so that now you're allowing people to have ounces. For, you know, in other situations, these people has, have cases for smaller amounts. Yeah. In other states. So, how is it fair for, you know, one state for this to be okay, but not to be fair across the board? Right. You know, like when we look at it, this is one of the biggest issues we have. But if you look at other countries, you know, when they legalize these drugs or they do these things, it doesn't hurt 
the economy. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that every drug should be legalized by any means, but we shouldn't continue to allow weedy cases to put all our people away. Seriously. Stupid cases about child support and not paying for your children do mm-hmm. not have our black men incarcerated constantly. We have to start doing more for our own community. You know, it's if our community wants to have weed in it and it's going to bring in the money, boost our economy, boost the economy. The key, look, and not to cut you off, but keep that, what was the killer mark saying? Keep that, that black dollar circulating. Then let them make their money that way. You know, it's clearly it's not as big an issue as it was years ago. No. Because we wouldn't see all these states all of a sudden start to legalize. Exactly. They want Legalization. Because they want a piece of the pot. They want to tax it too. They want to tax it <laughs> in the beginning and the Yes. So they want to tax you for, you know, starting the business and then they want to tax us for consuming it. Right. So it's like let's 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 cut that out. Let's just continue to make the money. Let's bring these people out of the jails and the prisons, and maybe we can teach them to to transfer those skills from what they did on the streets, and actually show them like, hey, you actually had a a, a business model right there. Bro, you have entrepreneurship. Like you are an entrepreneur. You really you are. Made how much money on the streets? You had what kind of clientele? So they believed in your brand. They believed in you. And if they believe in you, no matter whether you're pushing drugs, whether you're pushing clothing, mm-hmm. whether you're pushing, you know, media, they're going to consume it right. because they believe in your product right. as long as you believe in it. No, I agree 100%. Turn these people into profitable members of society. Instead of, you know, prisons being these false rehabilitation centers, actually teach them real skills. Let me show me show me a case where prison has been a rehab or a prison has rehabilitated someone. Because people I know, bro, that shit comes with PTSD. But it don't no, don't get me wrong, you know, the war, yeah. That PTSD overall, for sure. Iraq, Afghanistan, yeah, but we experience a PTSD every day. Especially these black men that's coming home from prison, bro. They don't know anything else but it being a cage animal. And then when you get in, here's my gripe too. And then when you get in these situations, you know, you get into fights, getting put in a hole, and they add no extra time. Like, man, what do you like? Can I catch a damn break? And that also has to, I have to remind myself too, the justice system is just totally not set up for us. So we got to be 10 times as careful. Mm-hmm. Since they try to make America great again, they really try to eradicate us and mm-hmm. if it isn't by death it's definitely by incarceration i'm talking about 25 plus yeah i mean even if it's not incarceration you know they call me meek mill you look at his case in which he was on probation for 18 years bro crazy come like on that. now like that that's basically a sign of saying that like you gotta walk on eggshells for the rest of your life Man. or you're gonna end up back where we want you to be seriously so we got to get rid of those, you know, long probation cases. Either you're going to jail me and keep me behind bars for this amount of time right. and be done with it, let me serve my time and be done with it, or we're going to move forward and we're going to come to a better solution than being on probation for, you know, 10 years, 20 years, mm-hmm. and then expecting them not to ever slip up in any kind of way. And even if they don't slip up, you know, finding the smallest thing to throw them back in jail or right. to make an example out of them. 
just because that's what you see fit. Because like I said, bro, people are not rehabilitated. Bro, people are not re- rehabilitated in prison. You become, I've heard, and I've watched documentaries all the time or just hear people talk. People tell me, man, they become, they learn how to become better criminals mm-hmm. in prison. So pretty much these prison systems are setting us up to sit us down for a minute. And they're providing, some of these CEOs providing the tools to us too. They in cahoots, they in cahoots as well. They in cahoots with that bullshit as well. And they're providing the tools to destroy us so we can get back on our streets. We're going to destroy our people more and more and more. It's literally a chain reaction. It's just a cycle, a revolving door of life and death. Yeah. That is literally all it is. You know what I mean? Yeah. And we really can't get ahead because... Or they can't get ahead, excuse me, the ones who are recidivists because they don't know anything else. They used to, you know, fast money. Like a paycheck is a paycheck to them is that's like hell. Cause they used to making what, you know, uh, a G a day or even more than a G a day. Forget a G a week. They're used to being in control of how much money they make. Exactly. And how much they spend. The you know, not taxes too. Yeah, the difference between an entrepreneur and a worker. Yeah. Is the fact that like you control how much money you make. That's true. You make decisions and which bring you profit. In a lot of cases, most of us are just workers. We live that nine to five life in which we don't have a real say so on what goes on every mm-hmm. day. And we're gonna make the same amount based on the hours we work, not our actual creative ability or what we add or bring to the table. Yeah, bro, like sal like salary is death. We've been putting overtime, bro. You still get the same thing for salary. Mm-hmm. And that's why a lot of them they don't well, that's why a lot of them go back, bro, because Who wants to fight? Who wants to break? Who wants to yeah, exactly. Bro, it was like throwing this throwing a uh, a six ounce steak, T bone steak into a lion's den. They fight bro, fight over scraps. And what do you and what do you do? What are you forced to do when you fight over scraps? You're forced to defend yourself. Mm-hmm. And what comes with defending yourself? Exactly. Oh, Death, destruction, chaos. Yeah. Exactly. So it's like I said, it's literally a chain. You know? I don't know. It's just um it's just wicked how they how they do us. And it's also wicked how we do ourselves too. All the time. So in order to to live this, you know, make America great again, you know, we, we have to address some of these fallacies. As you know, Candace kept using throughout the entire interview, like we have to address this belief that you know it's a Republican versus Democrat thing. It's not. It's bigger than that. Make America great is nothing about the parties we have in this country. No, you can literally become brush. That's literally because you have wealthy black people. Not to discredit them in any kind of way, you have black people who make a lot of money. You do. Who would coincide with some of the Republican benefits, the tax breaks, for example, or you know we talk about welfare and how that's tearing apart you know our black homes, which yeah. it did in so many ways. But let's stop giving that same narrative as if there's not black men in the homes at all, right? Because it it sucks when I watch the video of a black woman basically saying that that is true that black men aren't in the homes. But your dad was in the home. My dad was in the home. Yep. There's a lot of people's dads that were there, regardless of whether they died young or not, mm-hmm. based on other situations. There are a lot of situations in which, you know, my, be- my other best friend, Dwayne, his, his dad was in the home. Yeah. Like, 
my homie Gray, he knows that. He has a good relationship. So, right. like, there are black men out here taking care of their, their children and trying to lead them in the best way they see fit. That's right. Do they always do it in the right way? No. Are they always with that mother? No. But that doesn't always mean that our homes are broken. No. So we need to stop selling that narrative that, like, no black man is stepping up to the challenge and it's all because of welfare. It's not. Hey, when you want to, look, I said, man, like I said before, when you want to take, when you want to, you know, destroy a body, what do you do? Take away the head. So when you take away the head of the household, what do you think is going to happen? It's going to crumble. Exactly. When you, when you take away or we perfect example, foundation of a house. When you destroy that foundation of a house, you yeah, know, like you said, that mug is going to crumble. And trying to build that, set that foundation up, trying to build that foundation up is going to be hell. Because you got to go through another blueprint. You got to know where to set things up that make sure make sure everything is tight, make sure everything is right. You know? It's very saddening how that narrative has created an identity for us. You know? And it's a very, very false identity. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, like you said, yeah, my dad's in the house, still in the house. You know? Do we have our gripes? Of course. What father and son doesn't have? Come on. But that's because you're becoming your own man. Exactly. That's a part of growing up. Exactly. It's your parents' job to give you all the tools that they believe are necessary for you to survive and live your own life. That's right. So once you become your own man or woman, it's of course there's gonna be those those gripes. It's yeah. a different time period. That's period. true. Your parents grew up at a different time, so they have different beliefs mm-hmm. than what you're growing up in. Right. But they have to accept the fact that you are your own man. Right. And that's and me and him, we do have conversations about you know the future, um, especially this whole because you know my dad grew up in what the you know he's I don't give out his age but he grew up, <laughs> he grew up you know during that the civil rights movement mm-hmm. you know he was there during that him and my uncle you know they both were in that were in the era so there um. Their first, I can see where, where his frustration comes from when he hears America, "Make America Great Again." Mm-hmm. I can see where it comes from because it's almost a slap in the face. They were literally Reaganomics. They were there during the Reaganomics. They were there, you know, when Bush, Clinton, you know, even or even I call him Baby Bush. When Baby Bush was in the office, you know, when when he was doing that, when he was in, you know, we don't get on that. But when he was when he was doing, what he was doing. So I can see the frustration when it comes to the. So I can see his frustration when Steve Harvey and Jim Brown are are meeting with Trump. That's like, you know, meeting with the enemy. No, it is meeting with the enemy, you know? And I I, I guess you can say, you know, you you know, when you see movies like mob movies or stuff like that, you know, trying to meet with the enemy, like, hey, you know, this is our territory, this is our territory, anything in between, but you cannot cross. Mm-hmm. And that is it. You no, know, it was a meeting point, but that's fictional. You know what I'm saying? That's that's mo- that's you know that's that's movies. We talking about real life. I just couldn't see myself. What do we possibly have to talk about with Trump? And in a one on one, maybe I, maybe I'm not you know advanced as I thought I was, but I don't see what the benefit is of having a one on one sitting down with Trump. I mean. In some ways, I can definitely see that point of view because it's like he's already in office. If we're going to get him out, we got to attack the local level because we got to make sure right. we're on the same page there. 
right. to stop him from getting off the scene. So I can 100% get that. I believe, like, the bigger issue is attacking our own community, uh-huh. going to our own community and talking to our people, seeing what it is they truly want. What is it that they think, you know, it will take to change, you know, future generations or what's going on now or to get Trump out of office right. if you believe that that's the biggest problem. I believe it's also beneficial to talk to Trump because if if they are presenting, you know, good arguments or they're presenting our side of view mm-hmm. of things, maybe at some point it will break through his administration. I'm not saying it's very likely, but it doesn't hurt to try. You gotta knock down the door in some way. And at least there's people, you know, willing to step up. Do I believe Steve Harvey and you know Jim Brown or whoever it was? Were they the right candidates for our community to step up and do that? I don't know. Right. You know, I'm not here to pass that judgment 100% right. because I don't know what they talk about. That's true. And no, and no disrespect to Jim Brown. Jim Brown is a man of, you know, of intelligence and integrity and character. You know, he came up in that same era with people that were standing up like Ali, Bill Russell, and Kareem, you know. But it's just I, as a as a – just a black person, I kind of took offense. Like, damn, Jim Brown, like, bro, what what, what is there to talk about, man? You know. But thinking on a deeper level, like you were saying, trying to break the administration. And if we can't, all right, bye. We're gonna do shit our own way. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, we don't I mean, govern ourselves. Yeah, because truthfully, you don't want it. Even though you look at people of you know the opposite race, or you look at white people as the opposition, or however you want to look at the situation. Right. We're not against white people. We're not against Hispanics. We're not against the Asian culture. In mm-hmm. any kind of way, we would love to be able to stand all together mm-hmm. and get everything we need from our communities. Right. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, some of my closest friends are white. Right. You know, some of the people that I get along with best are Hispanic. Like, it makes no difference, but I have to speak on the issues that are affecting my community just like they speak on the issues that are affecting their area. Yeah. And if we could all come to an agreement when we, you know, choose our legislation, that our legislation or our councilmen are taking the best interest of all these groups at the same time, then maybe we could be successful. Right. Is it likely? No, because we don't have a large enough voice to make that happen. Right. We don't all stand on the same side of the coin as far as what our issues are in the community in addressing those things True. So, to to these people. So it's necessary to have those conversations. Do I completely agree with, you know, the judicial system? No. Mm-hmm. Do I believe that, you know, having this big government is the answer? No, I don't. Because I believe we can police our own neighborhood. We de- we definitely can. And what and that is exactly what, you know, the what what gangs, that's what the foundation of gangs were built on. You know, policing their own community. We you know, when um when you know they had the crooked cops, they were fighting the crooked cops. I mean, don't get me wrong, who wouldn't? When you got trying to, you know, plant stuff on us, trying to rape our kids, trying to rape our women, mm-hmm. you know, because you were taught that we're just literally the scum on the bottom of your shoe or you were taught that at one point in time we were property. So you carry on this mentality until, you know, the, the 50s, 60s, and the 70s. It's not going to work. You know, we're going to whoop that ass. You know what I mean? Seriously. It's about accountability. Exactly. There was a time in which we know one another. 
Exactly. And as long as we hold one another accountable, maybe America could be great again. I'm not going to say maybe it will be great again. Yeah. It's just a matter of us coming together and coming coming up with solutions instead of constantly stating the problems, constantly arguing amongst one another right. about how to make these things happen. Right. True. That is true. Now, do you want to um, talk about your book club that you got going on? Uh, I mean, yeah, we can. Since I didn't talk about it the last episode, yeah. since then I, I've announced my I'll plug you in, my G. My uh, my initiative, you know, what I began seeing, and you know, it's a sad reality when I started to think about how growing up, how many black men did you see reading? Mm-hmm. You know, in my adult life on a college campus, you know, going to University of Kentucky, I can count how many black people I saw reading in a library mm-hmm. that wasn't school related. Right. Or the idea that, you know, picking up a book is a part of our, you know, creative nature and it can take us to a different mm-hmm. place. So whether we're living in, you know, a, a two bedroom house with every family member in our, you know, immediate family living with us that book could be used as an escape. And I also believe that us as the men of our community, we we want our children to read and be more educated than us. Right. But how do we ever expect that to happen? If we don't introduce? If we're not the ones introducing those books to them. Correct. Or we're, you know, us as the role models aren't reading. Right. So out of that came my idea of, you know, black men in books in which, you know, we will read books from black authors because there's a lot of meaningful content that's that right. comes from that's our right. own people. That's right. But we will also read books outside of black authors just because there's quality content from every group of people or any, any person that actually put in thought and you know had a passion behind something. Mm-hmm. It's important to read those books. You got a mind of your own. You got so knowledge. I invite anybody listening or you know man or female, I really don't care who joins the club, but I'm just letting you know that it is black men in books and it's important mm-hmm. for us to come together and have these conversations and to talk about these important topics because once upon a time they believed that if you wanted to hide something from a black person, you put, put it in a book. That's so right. I want to eliminate and destroy that idea because we read to, I see a lot of women reading, but us as men need to step up to the plate and read as well. That's right. Where can they find us at? Where can they find you at? Uh, on Facebook. I mean, Levante Abercrombie. You can go to my page, you know, drop me a message letting me know you want to be a part of it because whether you you decide to be a part of it or not, it's going to exist. Right. And I'm going to keep pushing this until I get, you know, every person that wants to be a part of it, a part of it. That's right. I like that. Like, you already know I'm a part of it. You know me and you bookworms. Oh, yeah. We exchange we knowledge, knowledge all day. We no. say it's not as all day, but man, I appreciate you, bro. My co-host, man. My co-host, y'all are now exiting the God dimension. Y'all be peace. Y'all be safe.